Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I always appreciate a little bit of encouragement from the studio audience there. I have a special treat for you guys today, all you Legion of Michael listeners. On the phone with me today is Jeff Hoffman, president of Black Hills Ammunition and a law enforcement sharpshooter and a man of many parts. And today we're going to discuss what it's like to be a Christian man behind a rifle. Jeff, thank you for joining me. Hey, Paul. You bet. Thanks for having me. Well, how are things up in South Dakota? Things are good. Things are busy uh, in the ammo business right now. <laughs> as you can imagine, as you can imagine. So are, are you just okay. in a, a, a essentially a first-in, first-out situation as far as order fulfillment? Essentially. Uh, there's some exceptions like the military. Uh, the military has priority. A good part of our business is military, and contractually, ethically, morally, they have priority. It's part of the contract that uh, we can't tell them, gee, we're kind of busy right now. We'll talk to you later. Uh, if they give us an order, we have to fill it, but uh, they they do give us advance notice, and most of that's planned out, so uh, they, you know, we're filling stuff that we've taken many, many months ago from them. So. And uh I really, I spent a little bit of time in South Dakota this summer, and I tell you what, if I wasn't a Wyoming resident, South Dakota would be my next option. I appreciate what your governor's doing up there. It's a, it's a good place to be. It's a, it's a free state, uh, good gun state, no personal taxes, good, good Second Amendment. Uh, you see somebody walking down the street with a rifle, they don't automatically call a SWAT team. 
Mm-hmm. It's a good place to be. Good hunting here. Absolutely. The Black Hills is one of my favorite places to be in the world. Uh, but <laughs> besides Wyoming, besides down here in my mountains, but uh, things things have not been that bad this year. Uh, you know, when I told my relatives that I was going to move to Wyoming, I might as well have told them I was going to move to Antarctica. And it's, like, it's, it's not that bad. Just slow down. All right, Texas people, I'm going to give you a hint. When there's white stuff on the ground, just take your foot off the accelerator. Slow down, brother, and and uh, give yourself a little bit extra time, and, and you'll be okay. <laughs> I think that's that's why a lot of our friends in the industry haven't relocated to uh, where where we are now, though. But uh, do you see that? I guess that's a great question. Now that that Satan is firmly in control of Washington D.C. and the governors of of our nation, the 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 Democrat governors have showed themselves to be openly hostile. Do you see more firearms industry people moving out west? There's a lot of inquiries here, uh, and there's actually quite a bit of, of firearms business here. That, but it's it's hard to drag somebody from the East Coast out here. They're they're pretty tied there with obligations, employees that won't move, unions things like that, that uh, years ago, Ruger kind of set a good example when they moved uh, a plant to Prescott, Arizona. Uh, that was that was smart. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody else needs to understand that uh, you should probably not be do- doing business in a place where everybody hates you. Uh, <laughs> they, they should move to red states. <laughs> Ergo, Massachusetts, uh, New York, et cetera. But... What I want to do right now is I want to introduce the audience to an article or the concept or the title of the article. This is how many years ago has it been? Do you remember uh, when you wrote the article, God is my spotter? I wrote that. I've been retired from the special response team in the sheriff's office for four years. And I wrote that, uh, I think it was the last year I I served. So uh, that would have been five, maybe six years ago that I wrote that. So Jeff was a law enforcement sharpshooter. He was the man behind the rifle. And I read this article and I thought, well, who better to get on the Legion of Michael podcast to talk about defending the faithful and what it means to be a Christian man with a rifle in their hand than Jeff. So Jeff, will you give give our audience the highlights? Yeah, I will, uh, Paul. What it was, it was uh, an article about uh, three different incidents where I was looking at someone through a rifle scope talking to God. And uh, this was, that was almost the title for the article was talking to God while looking through a rifle scope. Uh, but uh, on second thought, I, I, I put, I called it God is my spotter because basically for people that are not in the sniping community, one thing you got to realize is that uh, they, they say you can teach a monkey to shoot. Uh, the, the spotter is one that's actually calling the shots, uh, making decisions, being situationally aware, uh, giving you the information you need to make the shot. So I thought it was kind of appropriate to, uh, and, and certainly well intended that uh, actually I was taking direction from God in all those incidents. Uh, it was in no way meant to, to put God in a secondary position uh, of, of a spotter, which some people think that the spotter is 
kind of a tag along guy. It, it's not. He's the guy that's actually in charge. So we, we uh, I wrote about three separate incidences where I had to make decisions about shooting somebody. Uh, and while doing that, I was consulting seriously with God about it. Yeah. Would you, would you care to relate any of those? Sure. I can relate, uh, re- relate all of them and feel free to interrupt at one point. I don't want any point you want. I don't want to get too windy. The, the first one was, uh, an incident where we had to return to a place where we had been called out previously on another, another night earlier. Uh, guy was crazy. That's typically the reason they call SWAT teams out is you've got somebody that's acting really stupidly and dangerously and it's beyond the capability of the responding patrol officers to handle it. Uh, the guy had been crazy once before and after that deal, we, once they gave all his guns back, we, as a sniper team, had the meeting informally and said, yeah, have your stuff ready because we will be going back to that place. And we got the call, and this time he was actively shooting uh, out from that residence. And uh, I carefully snuck back into the same position I'd had before, which uh, is a little bit dangerous because if you have the benefit of knowing where that position is, he, because you were there before, he has the benefit of knowing that you were there before. I was always really careful not to burn my spot, not to just stand up at the end of the deal and walk out. So I felt that position was probably still safe and it was the best vantage point. I was about 40 yards away from the house, looking straight into the house through an open door. And uh, this guy was busy shooting periodically, walking back and forth, and I could see him moving around. And uh, at one point he was on the phone with the negotiators and he said, I see a cop, I'm going to kill him. And that was kind of the last straw for the uh, negotiator for the command. And the negotiator passed the information to command and they said, you know what, this has gone far enough. When you first opportunity to get sniper, shoot this guy. And um, so at that point, I I start thinking to myself, I, I, I do two things on callouts. I think a lot. Uh, cybers can just lay there silent and, and motionless, but they're, they're, it's like a duck on the water. Underneath, there's a lot of movement going on. And uh, I was talking to myself and talking to God, and I said to myself, what's the chance that he's going to show up in that doorway with a shotgun? And I said, yeah, that's about 80%. You know, that, that, that doorway isn't open for my benefit, so I can look in. That, that's open for his benefit because he, he plans to use that as a firing position. And uh, so I say, okay, it's about 80%. He's going to stand in that doorway. Jeff, what's the odds that you're going to shoot that guy when he does it? And I go, oh, yeah, that's 100%. And as soon as I got done with that, as soon as I created that thought in my head and answered my own question, I uh, offered a prayer. I said, God, if this guy has a guardian angel, put him on the job because this guy's about to die. And uh, so I was ready to go. I was waiting for the moment. And I, I saw this guy dash by the door going sideways, one horizontally across my field of view. And I didn't take the shot at that point because I wanted to be sure of it. He didn't have a hostage. She was simply endangering people outside. And I wanted to make sure that I could place that shot as precisely as possible to accomplish the task. And uh, so I didn't take the shot, but I called out that uh, he had just crossed the doorway. And uh, I, everybody knew he goes one way, he's going to come back the other way. 
Well, pretty quick, he comes back across the other way, uh, and the sniper on the backside could see him through a plate glass window, and I could look all the way through to the plate glass window. And so as he crossed over, uh, I could see movement. He was coming across, and all of a sudden, the rear window, the, that plate glass window just turned opaque, just shattered. And I see this guy go down like somebody tied his shoelaces together, just boom, right, right down onto the ground. And uh, the sniper in, in the back, uh, had taken the, taken the shot. There was a, a team in front and a team in back. And um, this this guy went down like his shoelaces were tied together uh, and, and later died. I, so I was wrong on my 80, on my 80 and 100% calculation that I was going to be the one taking the shot. Uh, another sniper did. Uh, and uh problem was, was solved right, right there on that one. So that was the... The, the first incident that I talked about, and the, the reason it's included is the, to give people an idea of snipers are not cold-blooded killers. They're 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 thinking. They're making moral, rational decisions based on what's what's legally right, what's morally right, uh, what's right according to God's law. Uh, and in that case, I felt like. Uh, I would have been perfectly justified and I would have slept well at that point had I taken the shot. Uh, so that was the first incident. How long had you and, been and, on by that time? Do you remember? Was, was, was it pretty deep into your, your uh, tour of duty? I was a uh, sniper for 27 years, and this that particular instance was probably, oh, goodness, uh, 10 or 12 years ago or so it was I would have been been on for oh, 15 years or so at that point anyway I'd been I looked at people through a rifle scope a lot of times by mm -hmm. that point so I was I was comfortable doing it there was no doubt that I was able to do it uh, and would would have been very precise about it there was just no doubt in my mind okay you, you can relate another one we've got time <laughs> okay and we've um, got the, the audience the, the the second one was really personal for me uh there was a young teenage girl that was going around the neighborhood selling magazines and uh she was apparently pretty good at it uh because she uh, we we learned later that uh the, that caused her death she got a, got a guy to to buy some magazines and uh he had second thoughts about it. And so instead of ripping up the check, he decided he'd just kill her. And uh, when they, she was found because uh, th there was a person driving by on a rural gravel road and saw him dumping this naked female body, trying to dump it down a cistern uh, in a county road south of, of Rapid City. And uh, he got spooked, took off. And uh, the investigators thought, He's going to try to come back. Uh, so they called us, set us up, uh, and it was a, a cold night. And uh, my spotter and I were, my partner and I were laying about 75 yards away from where the body was dumped, waiting for him to come back. And uh, there was, we had people watching the road uh, for him to come back so we'd have some advance notice. And it was, it was cold. Uh, and uh, I'm not ashamed to say that snipers will, will spoon for warmth when it gets that cold. And I was laying there, and I was really angry about this deal. 
And looking back, I, I realized why I was angry. This girl was about the age of my older daughter. And uh, when I, uh, she was naked, had a zip tie around her neck, and uh, it was obvious she didn't die easily. And uh, I, yeah, I kind of projected that onto my daughter, and I thought, how dare he? Uh, I was I was really quite angry about it. Still perfectly capable of doing my job, but I was angry about it. And I was laying there. I caught myself saying a completely different prayer than what I said the first time. Uh, I, I said, when he shows up, God, let me kill this guy. And uh, I immediately got an answer back. You know, it was like, boom, uh, that's an inappropriate prayer. And it, it wasn't wasn't my thought. It was a thought that was, uh, just appeared in my head. That's you know, a reprimand. It was mm-hmm. that's totally an inappropriate prayer. You can't pray to be allowed to kill somebody for your own purposes. And my own purpose was would have been revenge because I felt like this guy was simply scum that didn't deserve to live. Uh, now legally, uh, what I was expecting, and I, I was that uh, there would be justification because. Uh, uh, at, at about that time, the spotters on the road had said, hey, there's a blackout vehicle coming in. So I, I turned to my the, the, the other sniper with me, and I said, okay, here's the deal. When he gets to, to where he dumped the body, I'm going to light him up with, with my weapon light. Uh, he's going to swing towards us. He's going to be armed. I'm going to center punch him. Uh, you need to be in a flanking position where you can, you can shoot him when, when that happens. And that was when I... I caught myself praying that, and I realized it was wrong. Uh, and I said, okay, God, let me do the job to the best of my ability here. Uh, and under those circumstances, uh, if he would have presented a deadly threat when we were trying to arrest him, we'd be fully justified in, in shooting him. Uh, but I had to get clear in my head that it, you need to be more than legally justified you have to make sure you're doing it for the right reason because you can be perfectly legally justified by man's law in doing something, but uh, outside of God's law, if you're doing it for your own purposes. Uh, so that was a, a real revelation for me uh, at, that, at that point. And what it turned out was that guy tra- traveled down the road, blacked out, wasn't our suspect. Uh, he was a guy taking his girlfriend home. Uh, and sneaking, sneaking into the farmyard, but uh, and this guy never showed up, so I never had to make that decision. I was ready to shoot him at that point if the situation dictated it, but uh, it, it had to be clear in my mind that it was for necessity, safety at the situation, and it couldn't be because I just wanted to kill that guy. Uh, so that was the the, the second incident. Did they catch that? I mean, I know it's, that's been a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, they, they they caught him, and he's sitting in prison right now. Uh, and it's strange; he wasn't a psychopathic killer. Uh, he had a a clean record, and he just uh, people do inexplicable things sometimes. That uh, it, it proves that Satan is at work on Earth here. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and relate the third one. I, I, I'm. I, I know that people want to hear. The the third one was uh, the, we had a call of a 
interrupted burglary in progress. Family came home and they found a guy rifling through their house. They spooked him and he books out the back door, runs down a, a block or two, and kicks in the door in another house trying to hide. Uh, people in that house uh, scoot out of there, uh, but they forget and they left a two-year-old boy in the house. Oh, no. So cops show up. They say he's in that house, but he's got a two-year-old boy in there. And they initiate conversation with him, and he says, yep, I've got this boy, and I'm going to kill him if anybody tries to come into the house. And um, snipers, the, the team gets there, perimeter gets set up, snipers get into position. Uh, my teammate and I end up 93 yards out the front door of the, the house. And negotiations go on for like five hours, and the uh, snipers like to know all the details that they can here and uh, because you're you need the details to make a decision about what you're going to do and part of the reason about 90 percent of the reason the sniper is there is to provide uh intel mm -hmm. use the eyes of the commander to tell him what's going on but there's always the chance that you're going to have to shoot to protect somebody the the public another officer a hostage uh so you like to have details and uh, we, a lot of times you can't get all the details that you want. And that was the situation here. We wanted more details. I wanted to know, was this actually a home invasion uh, or did he flee there because he knew the people there? Uh, couldn't get a, a really good answer about that. I wanted to know, is he really armed? There was a report he was armed, but we didn't have any good visual confirmation of it. And to me, good visual confirmation is a, another sniper sniper looking through optics saying, yep, he's got a gun. We weren't, we weren't getting that. Um, at one point, also, the guy said, hey, this is my son. And so that's kind of a complicating thing that makes you think about it. You start thinking, would he, if it was his son, would he endanger him? Uh, would he be less likely to, to, to kill him? Uh, so that runs through your mind. And as we're sitting there, the negotiators are talking to this guy and command is talking to us and everybody's trying to figure out uh, proper rules of engagement. What do we do here? And uh, in going through my mind, I was going, checking off the, the, the questions I'm saying, does it really matter? Uh, because the, the basic rules that a law enforcement officer looks at is means, opportunity, and jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Does the, the suspect have the means to inflict serious bodily harm or death on this person? Yes, he does. Uh, uh, did he have the opportunity? Yes, he does. He's right there with the person. Is he in jeopardy? Well, I would say so. He threatened to kill this boy if uh, if he doesn't get his wife. And the fact that he didn't have a gun, does that enter into it? I'm thinking, no, it doesn't, because a grown man can snap the neck on a two-year-old child easily. He doesn't need a weapon. So it finally boiled down to, in my mind, okay, uh, if, if command says, shoot this guy, I'm going to shoot him. It's, uh, it, it means opportunity and jeopardy are all there. And uh, so finally they're negotiating with this, uh, with this guy and he, uh, he, he finally gets to the point, he says, I'll come out, but the only way I'll come out is with the boy. Well, that's unacceptable because mm -hmm. you can't let a hostage taker go mobile with a hostage because in most instances that hostage is going to die. Right. Uh, so Command staff said, okay, here's how it goes, snipers. As a matter of fact, uh, I was team leader at that point, and they said, Hoff, 
up and here's the video. Actually, I was assistant team leader. I turned it over, but I was uh, in the position where I was going to have to make the decision because the guy was going to come out the front door. I was retiring soon and I, I knew that. So I resigned from team leader and uh, I was assistant team leader at the point. But uh, they said, Hoffman, he's going to come out. Uh, you, you heard the, what we're talking about here. He's going to come out. Do you understand what's, what's happening? I said, oh, yeah. He's going to come out the front door. He's going to have the child with him, and I'm going to kill him. And uh, they said, I think you've got it. <laughs> and so I'm looking through the scope, watching for the doorknob to turn, and uh, waiting for him to step out. And I, I told the young sniper with me, I said, make your peace with God because we're about to kill this guy. And I could hear him tactically breathing, you know, the deep breaths just to slow yourself, calm yourself, steady mm-hmm. yourself so you can make that precise shot. And uh, I realized I was doing the same thing. And um, I, at, at that point, I, I gave another prayer. I said the same prayer. I said, God, this guy's got a guardian angel. Put him on the job because this guy's about to die. Uh, I guess there's, there's kind of a trend here, huh? <laughs> with, 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 my prayer, with my prayer at that point. And uh, so, and but then I added something. I said, because of all those unanswered questions, I said, I'm willing to do this, talking to God. I'm willing to do this. But if there's another way, I'm all about that, too. Just let me know. And at that instant, I hear a, a rolling, clattering sound coming off to my left. And off to my left was the road that runs in front of the house, a paved road. And... You can't believe this, but there was a, a drunk skateboarder skating down the road through our perimeter and about six entry guys piling him up on the road right in front of me. Just boom. And if, if, if there was a, 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 if there would have been a string tied to the front door of that house running back to my rifle muzzle, those guys were laying on the string. It was right in my way. I didn't have a shot. Uh, so I called out to, to, over the radio. I said, I got nothing. Yeah, while they were sorting this out. So throws the whole thing. They cart this guy off. And here's a, a really weird thing. You know, here's a period of about, I don't know, five or seven minutes while they grab this guy and drag him off into the bushes to get him out of the way. And in that period of the time, the suspect fell asleep. Now, now think about that. Here's a guy that's threatening to kill. He's surrounded by cops in a house. Uh, tense situation, uh, threatened to kill this young child, and he falls asleep, which is, is kind of weird. And uh, so at that point, when we realize what happened there, uh, command says, okay, we're going to do this different. We're going to do a, an assault on the house. The entry team's going to assault the house. So they assaulted the house, rescued the, the, the little boy, took this guy into custody, um, and to me, that was uh, what uh, it, there's no doubt in my mind that God sent. Uh, this is really bizarre, but in, in, there's no doubt in my mind God sent a drunken skateboarder to save this guy's life. I mean, what's the chances that that, that would happen? That, that the suspect would fall asleep and a drunken skateboarder would come through the perimeter, pile up right in a position where I couldn't take a shot and we had to call off when the guy was going to walk out the door uh, and, and then this guy falls asleep so they can do an entry. That's just bizarre. Uh, it goes to, back to the saying that sometimes people say, you know, 
God works in strange and mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. No doubt in my mind, God, God saved that guy's life. Because I was, uh, the, was going to kill him, and there were a number of other snipers that were ready to, to back me up on that deal. Weird. It, it is. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that with the audience. And what would you say to there, – there are some people out there who, who – say, well, I'm a Christian, and what I was taught is this, thou shalt not kill. And that means any person who picks up a rifle uh, cannot at the same time carry a rifle, a gun, and be a faithful Christian because the two of them are opposite. What would you say to that person? I would say they need to study the Bible. Uh, they need to, to, to read uh, Samuel and the, the story of David. Uh, David and Goliath, David, uh, after he became a, a, a general, uh, David, uh, the, the same way Saul kill, has killed his thousands and, and uh, David has killed his tens of thousands. David killed a lot of people, but yet the, the Lord said, here's a man after my own heart who will do my will. There, there's no doubt that even though David was an imperfect person and uh had made mistakes. Uh, there's, there's no doubt that uh, of his place in, in, in heaven. Uh, I think that the, the key thing is in the Bible, thou shalt not kill is not a literal translation. The correct translation is thou shalt not shed innocent blood, thou shalt not murder. Uh, I, I remember reading a, a, a book one time and there was a quote in there uh, from a Middle Ages scholar, a, a religious scholar, and he said, your life is a gift from God, and failure to defend that gift is an affront to God. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was really, really profound. And it goes beyond that, that you have a, a responsibility to, to defend life from evil, not only your own life, but you have that same obligation to defend other people. Uh, and that's what cops are in a position to do the you know cops are often maligned but what they're doing is defending the innocent uh and that's uh and that's in accordance with god's will you have an obligation and they they've accepted that obligation and they're doing what's uh what's required of them yes and and i i really appreciate you bringing up david uh because i was actually just reading the the uh the Pro- Proverbs and Kings the other day. And what struck me was how God has the, has the ability to take our sins and our mistakes and turn them into something good. Because I think everybody who's listening knows about the, the story of uh, David and Bathsheba and how he sinned yep. through, you know, his, his evil desires or his, his lustful desires. And that was, that was one of his big failings but at the same time, who's Solomon's mother? Bathsheba. <laughs> so, you know, God said, hey, this was a bad mistake that you made, uh, but I'm going to take your error, I'm going to take your mistake, and I'm going to make it turn into good, and I'm going to give Israel Solomon. So it's, it's, it's striking, and I'm glad that you brought up that. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, there, it, it, it's still, I, I find this, maddening that you, you you run into people are like well you, you know you gun people and you, you know you say you're a christian but how can you say you're a christian and you you carry a gun and you would shoot someone and i said man you you've, you've gotten the 
the reader's dollar or reader's digest dollar store version of Christianity and and do you need to get a better you need to get a better handle on it. But uh, you have to be willing go ahead. No, 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 please, please go. The uh when I I grew up in a small town, Catholic, uh ultra boy, uh the the, the whole deal and grew up with the idea that people are basically good and sometimes they encounter bad circumstances and and end up making poor decisions. And I got hired in the police department out here and I had a very good training officer. And uh, I was with him maybe a week and he says, look, kid, he said, you're so green, you're gonna get yourself killed. Stick with me, do exactly what I tell you to do. Never argue with me in the field. We'll talk about it later if you have a disagreement and I will keep you alive long enough to learn this job. And uh, at that time, uh, Rapid City didn't have gangs. This was pretty much pre-gangs, at least in this part of the country. Mm-hmm. But there were clans, and there were there were two Native American clans that hated each other. Uh, nobody really knew why. I'd heard that maybe there was uh, an intermarriage that went bad, but they hated each other. And uh, I kept seeing the result of this: uh, two groups of people, uh, families and friends aligned with the families, and they would. Uh, people would end up getting killed. Now, they, in many cases, they weren't trying to kill that person. They were beating on the person. They would catch people, uh, beat them with baseball bats, attack them with knives. And sometimes people died. That's just the way it was, you know. Um, and I, I saw such gross inhumanity, such violence, that, uh, and, and I realized that violence could be turned on me as I was faced with these situations. And I realized I didn't have time to rationalize when I was faced with somebody threatening me with deadly force, I, I didn't have time to think, well, maybe he grew up with bad circumstances. He had a, a dad that drank too much and beat his, beat his mother, and maybe his mother didn't uh, provide good upbringing to him and all that. You don't have time to do that when somebody's trying to kill you. And I realized that. And so I came up with the, the, the thought that I, I think served me very well and that, that something I had to do to be able to make decisions instantaneously uh, life and death decisions uh, and I realized that evil walks this earth uh, and there are people that and, and here's where I was playing a little bit of a mental game with myself there's people that walk like people talk like people uh, and talk, all outward appearances they're they're people but they're not really people because they forfeited their soul at some point they've allowed evil so far into their soul that they've forfeited their soul and they demonstrate that when they try to inflict deadly force on somebody else. And so when somebody comes at you uh, and threatening you with deadly force, you have to react there because you don't have time to rationalize. So that was that helped keep me alive for 38 years of carrying a badge that uh, I don't have to make decisions about whether that's a good person or not because if he's trying to kill me, he's forfeited his uh, his right to expect to continue walking this earth you know and, and it served me well maybe it's a little bit of a, a, a game saying that person isn't a person because he's forfeited his soul but it kept me alive for 38 years well yeah he you don't he does he's given up he's forfeited the title of of devoted son or loving father or you know 
brother or whatever because that's what happens when these when these evil people die is people come out of the woodwork and they're like oh he was he was my son he was my brother he was my whatever it's like well that that may be true but he was also a monster that was trying to inflict deadly force on me or someone else or what have you and you know uh bless bless his soul pope john paul ii uh he actually addressed that head on and he in you know for those who are catholic you say well uh, you know, how does the Catholic Church feel about it? He addressed that deliberately, he, and, he, and he said, uh, as you mentioned earlier, that your life is a gift from God, and he expects you to protect it and not to forfeit it, uh, and that you have the duty to, to protect the innocent from evil. Uh, and it's a duty. It's not a suggestion. If you're like, well, you know, if you feel like it, if you're in the mood, you know, if it, if it won't make you uncomfortable, then go ahead. But otherwise, forget it. No, it's a duty. Uh, and I think a lot of people lose that, lose sight of that. As a Christian, it is your duty to uh, protect the innocent blood, to not shed innocent blood, and to also keep that innocent blood. Because maybe you were put in that position, you know, you know uh, like God put a, a, a drunk skateboarder uh, right there in the position to, to change things. What, what, where I, I feel that a lot of people uh, really miss the mark when, when they say, well, you know, uh, if you think you can just surrender or you think you can just give them what they want, or if you think, you know, it's like, well, maybe you were put in that position. Maybe God is using you as his instrument to stop that evil from continuing. And if you just capitulate, yep, I if, you, if you just let him walk away or, or you run away, uh, where is that? Where's that guy going next? You know, if, if God has said, you have the physical strength, the mental courage, the fortitude to do something to be my instrument and you run away from Nineveh in the other direction, what's that guy going to do? He's going to encounter someone who's not prepared for him, and that person's going to pay for it with their life probably. So, yep. yeah. And, and I, I think part of the message here is anybody that, that carries a firearm uh, has an obligation to, to make preparation to train in more ways than just being proficient with the weapon. Mm -hmm. You have to be mentally prepared uh, you have to understand the law, you know, the, the law of the land, uh, governmental law, and you have to understand God's position on this. You have to be mentally capable of doing what you have to do uh, to defend yourself. If, if that's your intent, you have to make sure you're prepared in all those areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to let you go. We're going to close with the warrior's prayer. Then uh, I want, I, but I want to thank you very much uh, for taking the time out of your day. I know you're busy. Uh, you're in the ammo business, so you're always busy. <laughs> but <laughs> we sure are. You sure are. So, uh, Lord, I come before you seeking the strength and skill to overcome my enemies. Grant me, I pray, the wisdom to recognize evil, the courage to confront it, and the strength to destroy it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.